So today we have Ann Johnson, the associate producer and general manager of the Armadillo Christmas Bazaar. Thanks for being with us today, Ann. Thank you for having me. Of course. So can you tell us uh, a little bit about Armadillo Christmas Bazaar, its history, what it is, kind of give it a, a quick breakdown? Yeah, um, so the Armadillo Christmas Bazaar, we are in our 42nd season in 2017. Um, it's been, it started at the Armadillo World Headquarters, which, um, that it closed before my time, but from what I've heard, it is kind of, you know, the jumping off point for Austin being the live music capital of the world. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, where Frank Zappa, Willie Nelson, um, just a bunch of huge bands started coming to Austin to, to play here, and, um, it didn't, the World Headquarters closed, I think, in early 80s and uh, they were kind of having some financial troubles and so Bruce Walensic wanted to start the Armadillo Christmas Bazaar to try to um, you know uh, fund the world headquarters <laughs> and that lasted for about two years there they had to shut down and the Christmas Bazaar has lasted for 42 years since then so what's it like inside the Christmas Bazaar? It's a place for you to go and enjoy music. It's a place for you to go and do some mm-hmm. interesting holiday shopping. Yeah, we have um, like 160-something artists, uh, 130 booths. And um, there are handmade, you know, fine art to gift items. Um, we are probably like 75% Austin local and about 25% national, um, like award-winning artists that have things that you can't really find in Austin easily. Um, so you can buy gifts, you can buy fine art. Um, we have three bands that play a day, so over like an 11-day show, uh, 33 bands. And if you include the little kids um, <laughs> band we have in, that's 34 for the show. Um, so you have music playing, you, you can come in and you can shop and listen to music. We have two full bars, so have a drink um, while you're shopping. I think it's just a such a better atmosphere to do shopping and it's so much more Austin than going to a uh, a mall or something where it's stressful you know parking is hard and getting there is hard and you're running around and this is like you come in and you grab a beer and walk around with your friends and get to almost a gallery shopping bar music experience so how did you get involved into the event industry and specifically with Armadillo Christmas Bazaar? Um, so I got involved with the event industry because of the Armadillo Christmas Bazaar. My dad and the producer, Bruce Lindsay, were best friends in the 70s, like hanging out at the world headquarters together. And um, my dad has, ever since Bruce started the show, my dad has been the night manager there, and he still is. And so my... Christmas, my whole life has been at has been the Armadillo Christmas Bazaar. So, so you really you really grew up with this. Oh tradition. yeah, yeah. Um, my every Christmas Eve of my life, I've been at the Armadillo. I've never spent it anywhere else. And it was our whole Christmas revolved around it. Like, you know, we were there till midnight on Christmas Eve, and we'd get home, and Santa came to our house first, so we would open presents that night, and then and then sleep all day Christmas Day. Um, and that's just how it's always been. My niece is 15 now. She's been every year at the Christmas Bazaar on Christmas Eve. Um, we trained her this year, so she's going to be working her first job oh boy. there next year. Yeah. Um, so Bruce asked me, I was just finishing up with a communications degree at Texas State, and Bruce asked me and a few other girls to 
come in and if we were interested in learning and mentoring with him how the show worked and of course we all said yes and we they kind of dropped one person every year until it just came down to me and then he's like well I want you to run the show <laughs> I want this to be you know your thing it's it's ingrained in you and um, I kind of just took leadership and so I will be running the show um, whenever he is whenever he doesn't want to do that anymore so it really sounds like you know it's, it's something near and dear to you and something that you grew up with mm-hmm. as an event producer when you're wearing that hat how do you deliver something new and fresh every year while still honoring the the traditions uh, but at the same time trying to hit growth numbers and, and everything else that an event producer worries about that's an interesting question I haven't quite um, figured out figured that out yet when I first started with him I guess it's been like eight years now with the production of the event I had all these grand ideas and all these you know um, we could do this and we could do this and we could do this and then those things kind of went to the back while I was learning the ins and outs of how it already how it was already going so um, I've been focusing on that more but I am definitely trying to bring in new and fresh and evolve and and that's critical I mean that's how Bruce has been doing it for these 40 years and it's just it gets hard when you're trying to do everything. <laughs> um, it's been a challenge. And I have I set goals every year. You know, I, we should have this many new bands or this many new artists. Um, it's hard because the show is so family. Um, not family-oriented as in, like, well, it is. Like, you can bring your family. But the whole show is a family. And we have this culture. And um, we're like a tribe. <laughs> And to kind of say, okay, we need to freshen things up. So this person who's been doing the show for 41 years, that isn't really relevant. That's, it doesn't work that way. It's, you know, we ask them to, to become more, you know, to, to bring in what Austin is looking for. And um, so that's, that's tough. It's, we, we try to refresh it every year, bring in uh, new things. Um, but I haven't quite figured out the answer to that yet. <laughs> So imagine, you know, five years from now, what is the Armadillo Christmas Bazaar? What's new, you know, five years out? What, uh, what in a perfect world would you, would you edit or uh, add to it to make it, uh, uh, you know, as relevant as it's always been? Well, um, you know, there's the fact that we live in Austin and that Austin is changing so much every year. I mean, I'm born and raised here and I um, almost feel like a, a visitor to the city sometimes when I'm trying to figure, you know, seeing all the new places coming up. And so um, trying to keep up with that and the pulse of the city is definitely going to be um, a goal. Um, what? It's nice to have a, an art show where you can bring in new artists or you know I I go to in the spring is one of my favorite times of year because I just visit art shows um a lot in Texas but a few nationally and you get to see what the trends are and um I guess just visiting those and being able to keep an eye on them to see what what other shows are doing what the artists are doing um to grow but we have to we have to keep growing with the city. So a big part of your strategy is, is understanding what's going on in your space and making sure that you're on trend and making sure that you're providing content that's relevant to the growing audience of, of your city. Exactly. Exactly. So 
part of being an event producer is, is sort of, you know, dealing with the stress that comes along with, with having this big publicly facing event. Mm-hmm. As you prepare for this, you know, major event, which happens, you know, holiday season, I'm sure your priorities change as, as it becomes closer and closer. So what are you thinking, you know, what's on your priority list 90 days out versus 60 days out versus 30 days out? Um, so we, 90 days out, I guess, we are really focusing on the artists and making sure that they have everything they need to come in because they basically come in and build their own space. Mm -hmm. And so um, we work really hard because the atmosphere of our room and the ambiance is really important, especially when you're doing an event in a convention center. Um, You don't want people to walk in and feel like it's just every other event that's been done there. And so um, like we turn the overhead lights out and we make all the artists light their own booths and so it has a really warm, friendly, cozy feel, and you don't, it kind of transforms the space. So we have to work really hard with the artists to make sure that they're all on the same page and that that is all going to cohesively work together. So 90 days out, that's probably our priority. Um, 60 days out, it, it becomes more marketing um, when the artists contact us to, you know, get their lighting or something we're like oh my god <laughs> we're now we're, fo- we're shifted our focus of course we always help as much as we can but um yes yeah, 60 days out is is definitely focusing with our ad agencies and our um our ad agency and our pr company um to make sure we get all of our announcements out and um and let the public know what's going on 30 days out just turns into production. That's, you know, do we have everything we need? Um, you know, ordering a lot of a lot of online ordering for parts and um, just making sure, doing, making sure we have our inventories of our storage and um, employees, making sure we have our staffing that we need for the show. Um, and for me, that's when pretty much life stops. <laughs> 30 days out like I um, I live you know 25 miles from the venue and that's too far mm-hmm. for me to work 18 hours a day at the show and so I move into a hotel room in downtown and um, you know I have to make a list of like the places that I can eat I'm a celiac and so I'm gluten free and so eating out is sometimes hard for me and so I have to like I have a list of places where I can eat downtown <laughs> and like so if I need to find something at the snap mm-hmm. of a finger um, I just have to make sure that everything I need is really close to me. <laughs> so the night before the event, what are you what are you thinking about? Is is anything keeping you awake? Are there any funny real stories that you care to share? No, I mean Bruce always said he's always asking me how I'm sleeping because he says once you you know can't sleep, then then that's a a sign that you're doing everything right. And I'm like no. <laughs> um, I guess. Uh, I don't have a hard time sleeping right before the event because I'm working so hard up to it that I'm exhausted. Um, but there are certain things, you know, you have your work nightmares and <laughs> you're like, what is that? What if that goes wrong? What if, um, but I am, I'm pretty well organized and I, I basically like November, we stop taking new ideas and stop doing new things. And it turns into just making sure that the things, um, and I pretty much have like all my due dates before then, and so I can between November and December, and we open you know mid December. I make sure that I am always available to deal with the unexpected things. So about forty five days out, that's where you draw a line in the sand. It's all about 
execution. Exactly. Um, and then and then there's always 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 things that come up, and that way you have your you know your schedule is you're okay to deal with the unexpected contingencies. So. Yeah. Um, so I usually feel pretty good right before we open. I get really excited. I, you know, sometimes say it's, it's like, uh, planning a wedding, a Groundhog Day wedding for 40,000 people. It's just, you, you plan it all year long and then it happens and then it's over. And so like the time that we're open is super exciting. Um, it's, you know, just getting ready, you know, waking up to what you've been working on all year long. So, um. That's, that's always fun. I think it's more exciting for me than, than nail-biting. <laughs> so let's talk about a little bit more about the, the sort of marketing aspect, delivering the message to, the, uh, to your potential audience. What has worked well for you in terms of you know, media? Do you guys focus on television commercials, radio spots? What seems to be, in your mind, the, the best way to sort of get the word out there? Um, well, we do a lot of traditional media. We still do a lot of TV and radio and um, print and online. And every year, it's getting more and more online. Um, I have always, I don't, I'm not a TV watcher, and so I've always kind of not. I don't. I don't see the. I think the value in that is kind of decreasing a little bit year after year. Um, this year, I would really like to um, kind of turn all of our marketing and media buys upside down and just try different things. And I think that might work for us because we are, you know, 42, we have been doing this for so long that the people that know us in Austin really know us and we need to figure out how to reach the people who are moving here that don't know anything about us. And, you know, it's interesting. Austin's so interesting right now. Um, with all these new people moving here, I think they're moving here because of our culture and because of all these things that have made Austin great, but we're having to change those things to accommodate the people moving here. And so it's kind of a, it's kind of bittersweet because you're you're losing some of the traditional stuff and getting, you know, some newer things. It's good for us because we we could move. You know, we we're not a brick and mortar that has if, if we couldn't pay our rent anymore, it's okay. We can just move somewhere else. Um, I totally just got off track of what the question was. I'm sorry. <laughs> Talking about uh, your, your marketing spend and how, that, how you use that to drive your attendance. What strategies um, do you use? Yeah, so I wish I had uh, data for you. I could show you like percentages. But like I said, I think, I think the traditional media buying, I'm, I'm ready to kind of shake things up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I don't, know what the, I don't know what the answer for new things is. And I know it's a lot of geo-targeting and stuff like that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to work on that this year. So do you guys use any sponsorships or uh, have any sponsors that, that you guys reach out to or try to acquire? Mm -hmm. We've been working with um, Brown Distributing, which is a local beer and, um, I don't know if they do wine, local beer distributor. Uh, they've been around Austin for a long time. Um, they have really helped us a lot um, with our, you know, they just help us create ideas and um, things that, help the event because the more people that we get into the event the more alcohol we sell and, and they're wonderful they're um, I've been working with them the whole time that I've been doing production of the show 
Um, we also have a partnership with Sun Radio. And going back to your last question about, you know, what are we, what's one of our marketing things at work is really having a, I mean, once Sun Radio came out, like I guess they were KDRP to begin with, um, everything they were playing was like our lineup. <laughs> and so we were listening going, oh, this is so cool. You know, someone is picking up on this and, and um, you know, helping these local musicians that we also have on our stage. And we developed a relationship with them and a partnership with them. And they felt the same way about us. Like, you know, they their lineup is exactly what we're playing on a radio station. And so not only do we have, like, a monetary trade, like, you know, we do this for you, you do this for us. They, they talk about us like we're their best friends, mm-hmm. you know. They, they have so much love for us on the radio and, um, I mean, go be above and beyond what they ever say they're going to do. Um, so having, having a sponsor like that, that really believes in you and, and cares about your success that much, uh, is huge. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the best things that we've done for marketing. Of course, it's just, it only goes as far as their, um, listenership, but, um, it seems to work really well for us. So obviously the Christmas Bazaar is an annual event. How soon after the, the end of one year do you start planning for the next year? Um, as soon as possible. Uh, January, we spent a lot of time wrapping things up and reconciling numbers and accounts, counting and um, taking down data. And February, we pretty much jumped right into what what artists are we going to have at the show this year. And yeah, just starting all over again. <laughs> So what advice do you have, to, sort of wrapping things up here, what advice do you have for, for other people out there who are interested in, in starting a career in the events industry? Hmm. That's a hard question. <laughs> um, it's, it's really awesome if you love what you do. And that, I guess, is advice for anything. Um, it's, it's, you have to be pretty organized. Um, and just passionate about about what you're doing because otherwise it just turns into you know if you're always worried about the the profit end of it you can't I don't know I don't know what I'm saying um what I've what Bruce has taught me is that it has to be a win-win-win situation for everybody and for us, of course, we have to have enough money to keep it going every year, and it has for 42 years. There's 160 people that depend on us every year to make this work. And so for me, it's not really a job about making as much money and being as profitable profitable as we can. It's about um, giving back to the community and, and being a part of something bigger than ourselves. And... To me, that is what drives me to be a, a better business person. And um, so, yeah, I guess the answer is really just make, love what you do and, and let that translate into your event. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Anne, for speaking with us today. Um, and good luck with planning for 2017. Thank you.